As I mentioned earlier in the service, our scripture reading for today is from the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. It's the book of Nehemiah chapter 4. Might be good if I found it myself. Of course, this will be one of those times that I'll have trouble finding it, but... um, But in Nehemiah chapter 4, there's a lot of history that goes with it. And we're talking about a time after the uh, Israelites, primarily the southern kingdom, was in exile to Babylon. When they were in exile to Babylon. And just give me a second here. I studied in my other Bible this morning, and I failed to um, find it um, before I got here. And so I apologize for my cumbersome. So let me just tell you, and we'll find it in a minute. In Nehemiah chapter 4 is where we're going to be going. But as we go into Nehemiah, Nehemiah follows Ezra. And so... We're talking again about Judah had been exiled to Babylon. To Babylon. And you remember that story when, you remember about Daniel and the lion's den? Remember about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego going into the fiery furnace? So that's when they were exiled, and they were taken, and they were taken to Babylon. And we're taken to Babylon, you think about, today you might think around Iraq or someplace in the positions like that. And that's where, they were, that's where they were taken, and they were exiled to there. When the Persians came in, like Cyrus and those came in, and they took over Babylon, there became a period of time, at some point, they started to let people go back. And so then you would hear about Ezra, and Ezra going back, and he's rebuilding the temple. So the book of Ezra talks about that. You might have heard about um, the, the Bible where it talks about Esther. It talks about Esther. And so when we think about Esther, that was during that time period as well. Um, But now we find ourselves in the book of Nehemiah. And it is driving me absolutely crazy as I'm looking through my Bible, trying to find... You ever had the book of the Bible that you you just can't find? And some of you are going to say, well, that happens to me all the time. Well, I'm up here, and I'm embarrassed that I can't find this book of, this book of the Bible. And so the congregation is helping me now. The AV department says it's three books before Psalms. And I should know that, but you ever get nervous? You know, it's Ezra, Nehemiah, Ruth, um, Job, Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastics, Song of Solomon. See, now I can do it, but I just needed that help and so I appreciate that this morning. I suppose you could have put it up on the screen and I could have just turned and put my back to everybody there and read it. But uh, Nehemiah, now we're come to chapter 1 of Nehemiah. And let me tell you what's happening a little bit here. So now that I've thoroughly embarrassed myself, so we have Ezra comes back to the temple. They're rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem at this time is in what we would call Judah. The, the kingdoms have split. Israel's to the north. 
Judas to the south. Those are the two divided kingdoms. So Jerusalem, Ezra has come back to rebuild the temple. The king has allowed them to start to come back. He's doing that, but in the meantime, not all of the people around the area are happy about it. Not all the people around the area are happy that the Jerusalem is coming back. Because see, when they left, those, that, those countries, those pockets, those tribes, those other peoples like, oh, Jerusalem's gone, now they've, they've risen in power, and they've got more that's going on. So they're not real happy about what's going on. And so the city's walls are still crumbled. City walls are still in trouble. The city is, I don't know if you could say the city's in ruin, but it's, there's no protection there. Their status is down. There's, the walls are down. The, the, the gates are burned. It's a problem. And then we have Nehemiah. Now, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king, Artaxerxes. I think I'm pronouncing it well. When the names get more than four or five letters long, it's a little, it's a little harder to pronounce, aren't they? But Artaxerxes is the king there of the Persians over Babylon. And Nehemiah is the cupbearer. Now, we think in some of my readings and research, he wasn't just the person that was the butler that, uh, that provided them with uh, the wine to drink or what he was drinking at the time. He might have also been a confidant. He might have also um, been a divisor. And we think that we, that could be so because later we see some of the things Nehemiah was asked to do. But Nehemiah found out that the... In, in chapters 1, 2, and 3 through there, he found out that the walls were down. He found out about Jerusalem and it made him sad. So he prayed to the Lord. He fasted and prayed and says the situation is not good. And, and every other time before the king, when he would serve the king and, and provide him his services, whether it was being an advisory, but you know, as a cupbearer, making sure that he had what he needed, you know, he hadn't presented himself to being sad, but now his countenance has changed, and it's sad. Nehemiah is sad, and the king says, hey, Nehemiah, I've, what's going on? What's the problem? And Nehemiah talks about that his homeland, how can I be happy, because Jerusalem, is, the walls are all down, and, and uh, concerns about the city and all that stuff. And so the king's, evidently, Nehemiah had a good relationship, but the Lord blessed Nehemiah's prayers, and the king gave permission for Nehemiah to go back to Jerusalem to rebuild the wall. He also gave him letters of passage, because as he's going through there so that he has protection, that he's authorized to go, he also sent him letters to have the resources to pay for the material, to get the material provided. I would say pay for the material, but I think they just said, hey, I'm the king, give him what he wants. But he was getting the materials that he needed, and I think he even had some people, to, uh, soldiers, to maybe go with him for his own protection. But he's given permission to go back. And so when we come to chapter 3 there, and Nehemiah, there's a host of people that are rebuilding pieces and parts of the wall and doing their part. And if you read through chapter 3, it'll be, uh, these people over here were building this section, and these people were that section, and those people were building that section. And so there was a lot that they were doing, and there were a lot of people doing it. I did find one, you'll find one section in chapter 3, that, that there are 
there's one group of one group of people that seems to say they weren't doing as good a job as everybody else, and they kind of called them out. But everybody else is working all the way around. So there's a whole bunch of people, and then we get to chapter four of Nehemiah. It's after the book of Ezra, Ezra before Psalms. Nehemiah chapter four. Now I've told you the story. Now we're going to read. Now this chapter is not really that long. It's only 23 verses. So I'm going to try to slowly read through it. Then we're going to come back through and we're going to do some expounding on it. So Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 1, and we're going to begin our reading with uh, verse 1. Here we go. But it so happened when Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. I will tell you, Sambalot is one of those leaders in the area that's not too happy that somebody's going to come in and mess up the balance of power. Verse 2. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria and said, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete it in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Whatever they build, if even a fox goes up on it, it will break down their stone wall. Hear, O our God. For we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to a land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity and do not let their sin be blotted out from before you, for they have provoked you to anger before the builders. Verse 6, So we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. Now it happened when Sambalot, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, that they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God, and because of them we set a watch against them day and night. Then Judah said, The strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversary said, they will never know nor see anything till we come into the midst and kill them and cause the worst to cease. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came that they told us ten times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon us. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families and their swords, their spears, and their bows, and I looked and arose and said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, Do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. And happened when our enemies heard that it was broke known to us, and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at construction, while the other half held the spears, the shields, the bows, and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, and the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, the work is great and extensive. We are separated far from one another on the wall. Wherever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. 
the same time, I also said to the people, let each man and a servant stay, in, stay at night in Jerusalem, that they may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brother, and my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word. So now let's go back and let's start working our way down through this chapter, understanding the background that we shared. In verse 1, as we talked about, Sambalot is one of those that's upset about their building the wall. And, he, and as we continue in verse 2, as they go through, they're like complaining on what they're going to do. They're so feeble and they're talking down against them and they're, and they're uh, spreading these, this information around that they're, they're not able to do it. And uh, Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him and he said, whatever they build, even a fox goes up, it will break down their stone wall. Whatever they're building, they're, they're not going to do a very good job because at the littlest animal, this little fox or, or whatever, it's going to be able to knock it over. What they're doing is, is not accomplishing anything. What Their work is worthless. And maybe in your life you've had situations, you're in the midst of the task, and you're working along, you're doing your best, you're thinking you do progress, and then you've got the people start talking. And they're, they're running their mouths. And they're cutting you down. And at some point, at some point, it actually starts to get at, to you. Hear, O God, verse 4, for we are despised. You ever feel like, I'm the outcast? I'm doing my best. I don't know to do anything better. I'm leaning into it. I'm working hard. But there's these people running their mouth, cutting us down, and I feel so despised. Hear, O God, for we are despised. Cry out to the Lord. Cry out to the Lord. We get to verse 6, and he says, it says, So we built the wall, and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height, for the people had a mind to work. They had an attitude to get the work done. And how far along were they? It said the entire wall was joined up to half high. So you think about it, if you're, using, if you're a Lincoln Logs person, or if you're a Lego person, or whatever, or you've done masonry, you're building it, and you've built it all the way around. There's some places that are higher than others. Some areas are going faster than others, but it's half high all the way around. It's not all the way up everywhere, but it's half high all the way around. That's quite an accomplishment. And then they celebra- it's celebrated because they had a mind to work. Even with all those people talking, talking trash about them, they're like, we're getting this done. And so they got the wall built half high. They're celebrating this accomplishment. And when verse, in verse 7 we read that Sambalot, Tobiah, the Arabs, and Ammonites, the Ashadites, heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to be closed, they became angry. Sometimes when we go up against the opposition, in some cases the opposition in, in ministry, not all, all the opposition here is, is, is ministry opposition, 
But in ministry opposition, your adversary is the devil. He's not real happy when you do things for the Lord. And so it's going to come back at you. But there's other people that you feel like you're doing the right thing, and, and they're talking you down, and you start to make progress, and they get more aggressive. They get more aggressive. And so did they stop? Did this work of rebuilding the wall stop? No, they leaned in. They wanted to attack, but how did they lean in? First, they made their prayer, verse 9, to God. You notice their theme here? People talking about you? Pray to God. Seems like the adversary is really coming at you? Pray to God. What, what's one of our opportunities that we... It's an opportunity that maybe we miss because the easy thing is like, how can I figure this out? There's got to be a way. There's got to be a way we can solve this. And then, after we can't figure anything out, then we're like, okay, God, I need you to, to help me in how to solve this. For some of this, for some of us, that's a lesson we have to remember. Yet we pray to God, but sometimes maybe we don't pray to God soon enough. Maybe we should make God part of the thought pattern instead of making God part of the afterthought. After it's a problem, now I'm going to pray. After I've tried to figure it out, now I'm going to pray. Versus God being part of it in the beginning. So they prayed to God, and because of them, we've set a watch against them day and night. There are going to be adversaries. Plan on it. Plan on it. There's going to be difficulties. Plan on it. If you're doing something, something new, or God's asking you to do something, there's going to be those that are going to run your, their mouth because it goes against what they like. And if you're trying to witness to someone, they're not going to like it. They're going to try to resist it. If you're trying to do some task and it seems like they're just running you down, we pray to God. But you need to anticipate there's going to be adversarial situations that you're going to have to deal with. If you ever had to work on a car, I think sometimes the cars gets me. Or I blame the engineers because they put that bolt back behind the certain place in the car that I can't get there. Maybe you've, uh, you're, uh, you've worked on your own cars or something, and you're wondering, why did they ever put it there? Do they not want anybody to work on it? So I have to go to those expensive mechanics and pay the big money at the dealer? Of course, they might be doing that. I don't know. But, you know... We're going to have adversity. So we just need to kind of figure out that how we have to learn how to deal with adversity and not because you're going to have it. You've got to feel, how am I going to deal with it? Because it's going to be there. And some of it's going to be serious. If you think about some that are in battles, places, they have to anticipate there's going to be someone coming after them. They've got to post a guard. You've got to anticipate there's going to be difficulty. But sometimes, the adversary was going to attack, but they prayed to God, set a watch, made adjustments to prepare for the adversity, and the situation came to naught. But then we find verse 10, and I bet you've been in verse 10. Let's talk about verse 10. Then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing, and there is so much rubbish that we are not able to build the wall. There is so much rubbish that we can't build the wall. 
Now, just a few chapters, uh, verses ago, we found out that they built the wall halfway up, all the way around, and they were celebrating. But what happens when you get tired? You start, you ever get tired? You've been in this task for a long time, and you don't see what all you've accomplished. Maybe you're, you're trying to, you, you, maybe you're sewing something, or maybe you're cleaning your house, or maybe you're repairing something on the house, or maybe you're trying to uh, get a degree, or maybe you're trying to, whatever it is. When you get tired, you don't focus on what's been accomplished. You start focusing on the rubbish. You ever say things, I will never get this done. It's not going to happen. This is just a mess. This is horrible. I think I've said that a few times, and maybe my personality leans towards that. Maybe yours does or doesn't. But you get so tired, and your body gets tired, it starts playing on your emotions, and you look around, and it's like, oh. I just said that I built it half up, and then we... And we made all this progress, but the only thing I see is all that's left to do. My, my, my glass went from half full to half empty because I got tired. You know, sleep is important. And sometimes all this mess makes us sleep less. And then it, we get into a spiral, don't we? And if we're not eating right, we might even get hangry. And then it makes us think of that scripture, and we talked about it within the last couple of weeks, I believe. Whatsoever things are good, whatsoever things are pure, from Philippians, whatever things are good to report, think on those things. Sometimes you might need to turn the t- news off. Maybe not pay attention to all the Facebook updates of, from that one particular person that just always makes you feel depressed. We don't always have to have all the negative because you'll start getting yourself in a grind. Now, preventatively, you can avoid some of that if that's your tendency and it's pulling you down. But once you're in that, you've got to, you can't look at the rubbish. You'll just get more tired and you'll get more depressed and you'll just cycle. And if you've been in that, you'll know what I mean. You've got to kind of lift your head up and stop looking at all that's, and start thinking about, look what we have accomplished. You got to get some new motivation. You got to got to look at it different. But you get tired, so your preventative is think about the positive. You can, you can start to sense when you're going too far down, and you got to think on the good things. When I say we're not talking about power of positive thinking, but we don't want to focus on the negative rubbish when we can count our many blessings and see what God has done, and we look to the Lord and pray to God to help us in the prevention, and as we go along, instead of waiting till we're already in trouble. So when we get tired, we're vulnerable. And so as we look around, and we're going to talk about it in a minute, you need to watch for people when they're starting to get tired, and they're starting to get overwhelmed. Maybe you kind of, the Lord will send you to come alongside and kind of encourage them a little bit before they get down and start cycling. Verse 11, and our adversary says they will never know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. So then you start talking to yourself. 
and reminding yourself of all the things they've been saying and they keep saying. And now I'm in peril. I'm in trouble. I've tried to do it for my security and it's not working. I've lost, I'm tired. I don't see what's already been accomplished. And then I'm starting to listen to all the negative that's coming at me. And it's becoming too much. And verse 12, now I hear everybody else saying it too. So it was when the Jews who dwelt near them came, they told us ten times. So you start talking in hyperbole. No one likes me. Everyone hates me. Everything. They told me ten times. Now I don't know if that's a literal ten times or it just means... For whatever place you turn, they'll be upon us. It's hopeless. We're in a hopeless situation. Why do I even try? Nehemiah, verse 13. Therefore I positioned men behind the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. I first heard this from Dr. Bruce Peterson when I was on staff. I think I was on. I think that I was on staff at the time. He passed to the Church of the Nazarene in Springfield, Ohio. The words he used here is they needed to find a new motivation, and the new motivation was they needed to protect their families. They came to assemble the wall for the bigger picture. We need to bring the wall together, and and we're building the wall, and we have the protection of Jerusalem. But it was becoming too much. And so he gave them new motivation. Why don't you just protect? Let's just take a bite size out of this. Let's, let's not try to consume the whole wall. You just worry about this. What's that new motivation that God's trying to tell you in that struggle, that challenge you have? What's, as we're looking to the Lord, say, I need this new motivation. Help me to piece it down so that I can. I can work on it. Do the right thing, but I'm not responsible for all the big picture. Now, of course, Nehemiah was. He had more responsibility. And he says, I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. I set them in a defensive posture to defend for security. I gave them new motivation. So, Lift up your head from the rubbish and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I forgot why I'm here. I need some new motivation. Verse 14, and I looked and arose and I said to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, great and awesome, and fight your brethren, and fight for your brethren, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your houses. He told the leaders, don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. Don't be afraid. Remember the Lord. That's why that song, Count Your Blessings. Think about what God has done for your life. I went to a Southern Gospel um, concert, and one of the guys in the quartet brought up that he had went to a firing range or something, shot a 
a gun, and I don't know if that's what affected his hearing, but he basically was losing his hearing, affected his ability to be part of, a, of the singing. And God healed him. He was having trouble hearing, and God healed him, and now he's allowed to do ministry again. I was thinking to myself, if you had something like that happen in your life, where God healed you, remember that. Can you imagine having the healing touch of God, have doctors and things? Remember, God healed you there. Remember the Lord. Remember what he did for you before. And then he can do it again. And so fight for your brother and your sons, your daughters, your wives, your houses. That new motivation. And it happened when our enemies heard, verse 15, that it was known to us and that God had brought their plot to nothing that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. We got that new motivation. We were, there, the scheme was undermined. God helped us. And now we could get back to working because now we get back to working. We have a mind to work again. We start making the progress. And see, now we're in the other cycle. I get my attitude right. I'm getting my sleep right. I'm focusing on the Lord. I've got my motivation. I'm getting things done. And I'm on the other cycle. You see? See the difference? I'm on the upward. The key is to focus on the Lord. The key is to search to God. The key is to realize that you're going to have obstacles. You need to prepare for them. Be aware they're going to come. It's not all going to be smooth. You know, you... you you can't wait. You ever think about it? If you've never read your Bible, sometimes you don't have time. You know, sometimes when you're in a crisis situation, you just can't pray. You try to pray, and it's hard to pray when it's really, really bad. You can make short, short words and phrases, and you ask God to help you, and you hope other people are praying for you. And so somebody in the midst of the crisis, we need to be praying for them but some things you need to prepare for. You need to hide God's word in your heart so that you have it in the crisis. You want to go witness to someone and prepare to witness and reach them for God. You need to have already memorized some of those scriptures and be prayed up. You can't wait till the moment. You need to anticipate and prepare. There's going to be adversaries. There's going to be difficulties. Have you done any preparation? It's going to happen. But God can help us. And if you keep saying, in adversarial situations, I need to be praying to God. And you practice praying to God. I want God's guidance in difficult situations. So you need to allow God to guide you in easy situations. So that God's all part of it. So in the crisis, it becomes like muscle memory. It's automatic. You've trained for it. You've trained for the battle. you trained for God's guiding you. You go buy a new car. You ask God, should I buy this car or not? Not say, oh God. I'm sorry, I forgot to ask you if it's okay. Or maybe wait till that car has a really bad problem that God, I thought God might have been telling me not to buy that car, but I, should, I guess I should have paid attention. Prepare for adversity. Prepare trusting in the Lord. When you get under it, lift your head up, get new motivation. When you start seeing yourself focusing more on the rubbish than what you have accomplished, these are some things to help you. 
Verse 15 again, And it happened when our enemies heard that it was known to us, and that God had brought their plot to nothing, that all of us returned to the wall, everyone to his work. So it was from that time on that half of my servants worked at constructions, while the other half held the spears, the shields, the spows, and wore armor, and the leaders were behind all the house of Judah. We have to, some of us are going to be on the offensive. And while some of us are on the offensive for the ministry, some of us are on the offensive for the work of God, there's others of you that need to be defending us. And it might be the reverse. You might be the one um, that is on the defense. You need to be looking to those that are on the offensive. And it says, and the leaders were behind the house of Judah. Those who built on the wall and those who carried burdens loaded themselves so that with one hand they worked at construction and with the other held a weapon. We need to be doing the work while we're also defending ourselves and others. Every one of the builders had his sword girded at his side as he built, ready for battle, doing the work, but ready for battle, anticipating adversity, but determined to overcome. And the one who sounded the trumpet was beside me. Then I said to the nobles, the rulers, and the rest of the people, verse 19, the work is great and expensive, and we are separated far from one another on the wall. What does that mean? We're vulnerable because we're separated. We're vulnerable. And during COVID, Satan made us vulnerable. We weren't gathering together. We were more separated from each other. It made us vulnerable. When we were starting to get depressed and starting to get down, there wasn't someone right beside us that could read our face before we had told anybody and encouraged us along. We didn't have that uplift. We went into isolation. And we become more and more vulnerable. And we see people not coming back to church. Now people falling away from the faith, possibly even, but some's falling away from attending church and have determined that they can just do it virtually. You can't. It's not scriptural to do that. We're separated from the wall. But sometimes through the week we're separated. But there is times. He says in verse 20, Whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. We have a Facebook group that we go on for the congregation. And we go in there and we can put a prayer request. That sound of the trumpet, I need help. Then we all, like we do, we jump on there and says, I'm praying, I'm praying. Hopefully we actually are praying. We can't just say thoughts and prayers and not actually pray. Your thoughts don't do anything. You're saying you're going to pray. doesn't do anything either. It might encourage them a little bit, but we really want the power of God. So we sound the trumpet and we come together in Facebook. But sometimes we might need to come together as individuals to the place where they're hurting. And we have to be willing to cry out for help. Don't make yourself a casualty. And if somebody's having issues, we don't need to go tell them all the bad things that we've done. We need to show up. They cried out for help, and we need to help them. There's a song that says, see all the wounded. Sainting is wounding. We don't want to take out our own soldiers. We want to encourage them. Move them along. Verse 20, whenever you hear the sound of the trumpet, rally to us there. Our God will fight for us. So we labored in the work, and half the men held the spears from daybreak until the stars appeared. At the same time, I also said to the people, Let each man and his servant stay at night in Jerusalem, that there may be our guard by night and a working party by day. So neither I, my brethren, my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes, except that everyone took them off for washing. 
there was power and protection in unity. In working together, we can help defend each other. In the dwelling together and spending time together. Not, I belong to a Facebook group and I'm on a virtual thing. It's the proximity of time we can help protect each other. There is one humorous note in there that I noticed. You might think it's humorous, maybe not. So neither I, my brother, and my servants, nor the men of the guard who followed me took off our clothes except that everyone took them off for washing. In the midst of the crisis, it seemed like there that they still still took showers. So I'm just encouraging you, still take showers in the midst of the challenges. Maybe you didn't think that was funny, but I did. Um, Maybe it was a dad joke, but it's actually true. You do need to take care of yourself in the midst of the crisis. Because what happens? You first looking at the rubbish, and then you're not taking care of yourself. You're not staying clean, and then you look in the mirror, and now you've got something else to look at. Right? Oh, I can't get that done. I can't do that, and look at me. I can't even take care of myself. See? Some of you have been there. Don't, go, don't get yourself there. You, you need to keep, keep the shower and keep, keep taking care of yourself and, and realize that these battles are going to come. And so you have to be on guard for them. See, in the distance they're coming, I'm starting to get depressed. I'm starting to get down. Maybe I need to call so-and-so and say, hey, I'm just not having one of those days. Can you pray for me? It might be I just need to put it out on Facebook or I need to call the pastor or somebody and say, I'm in trouble. Can you pray for me? It might be it's more than I just pray for me. We might need to get some people to come together or we need to take somebody to a doctor or we might need to... But we have to be able to come together. But we have to, we have to set a guard. We need to be aware that's going to be coming, and then when we see it happening, it might be it's like celebrate the half up. Celebrate the accomplishments. Celebrate what the Lord has done in our life. You know, we can look out and you, you know, churches can talk about the numbers they have, but then you start thinking, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've had some people get saved recently. That's what we're here for. So when we look at the midst of all the different things and people are telling us we should be this size or we should be that or we should be doing this or we should be that and it's kind of like, wait, 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 wait. The wall's half up. We're actually making progress on the most important thing that we're supposed to be doing. So let's have some more new motivation. So I don't know where this message hit you. It might hit you in your ministry life and in the life of this young church. We've got struggles, we've got battles, and things that would deal with it. But it, you might be dealing with a battle personally. The reminder is in all that we trust in the Lord. We be aware. We see the signs. I'm looking in the wrong places. I'm in a spiral. Down. I need to get in a spiral. Up. And that we need to remember the Lord and what he did for us back when he saved us. What he did for us back when he healed us what he did for us on Calvary. And look up and look forward to what he has for us in the future as we are faithful. Take care of our bodies. 
Get the sleep that you need. Make the choices in your schedule so that it's consistent so you're getting the sleep. You need to be eating right too and all those things that maybe keep you from sleep. Or, and maybe there's some people that are telling you a lot in your ear that you don't need to listen to. And for your own well-being, you need to cut them off. Be willing to cry out for help and sound the trumpet as I need some help. And then as those around when we need to go. And every once in a while, if you think about the church, think about Nehemiah. Think about Nehemiah. Because sometimes the Nehemiahs, like the pastors and things like that, we can have those spirals too. So we need that the Lord would lift us up and we would focus on, on him and have the wisdom to guide in the right way. But think about your leaders. Maybe they're at work or different places, but people in Christian ministries or on mission fields or doing the work in war zones and be in prayer for other people. May the Lord bless and help you. Let's be standing together. As you listen to the message, if you ever need to reach out and talk to me, feel free. You know, people have issues within depression and anxiety at some times. I don't have the other, all the answers, but we can pray the Lord. And there are people trained in those areas. You can email me at contact. Email us at contact at marysville3cu.org. Um, but uh, those in the congregation, you know other ways to get a hold of me as well. Father God, I pray that you would be with us. Lord, in our lives we have the up and downs and we have the battles that we have to deal with and we kind of get sometimes in the wrong circle, cycles and we focus on the wrong things and sometimes we just need help. May we remember to cry out to you that you would help us. May we remember that uh, we maybe need to be active in our lives getting guidance from you before we get ourselves in some of the problems that we cause and then we say, why Lord? And other times it's part of life, but help us to lift up to you and prevent some of these things possibly by just our attitudes and being in preparedness to be prayed up and read up, to be part of a community of believers, not just on Facebook, but in a proximity with them, especially after we've seen all these separations after COVID. Bless us, the Lord. Help us to do the good work. Help us to have the mind to work, help us to lean forward and help us to encourage one another and to be encouraged. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Congregation, I just encourage you to